I'll tell you what's not conducive to podcasting is not hitting record. We've it's only like, been talking for two hours. Oh, not two hours. Shh, they don't know. Oh that. my god. Yeah, that was a that that that's a first. I don't think I've ever forgotten to hit record. We've had it stop recording. We've had it stop recording. We've had plenty of other issues, but I we were talking for probably about five minutes, and I looked down, and the button that's supposed to be red was green. So we're doing this the second time. It's fine. It's fine. I don't even know. You were adjusting your mic in the first one. You missed some you funny banter. Adjust it again. Yeah, we can adjust it again. So we'll just. This is what did happen. She was adjusting, and I was like, Ah, you piece of shit. Why are you adjusting your mic? You I'll had, murder you in your sleep. You had like all this time to do it before I hit the podcast, but my dumb. Okay, geez, my dumbass didn't even fucking hit record. I'm making, so um, microphone adjusting noises. Wow. <laughs> so shut up. <laughs> I, I forgot what episode it is already because I already did this once. It's a manic episode. Oh my god. Ho, 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 everybody, and welcome to episode 74 of Frightmares. Uh, I'm your host, Austin Proctor, and uh, keeping me on my toes is Gabrielle Blatt-Across. What is that face? Say hi to everyone. Hi to everyone. Oh my god. Uh, I, probably, it might be the beers because uh, since it's the first ever christmas special i'll say this again even though you didn't hear it because i wasn't recording uh i thought we had done a christmas special uh but we haven't because the first year we started with the top 10 or top 5 of 2018 and then last year we talked about three christmas movies the three black christmas movies but that was before our top 10 of 2019 so this is the first ever fucking christmas horror episode super excited we have four awesome movies and uh, two of them take place, like, literally... Actually, two of them take place on Christmas Eve, or I think one of them is I close. think all of them take place in the days, too, yeah. and on Christmas, well, because that's what makes them Christmas Well, I know, movies. but two of them are kind of just, like, Christmas is happening in the background, and the other two is like, okay, family's coming over to fucking Christmas night, boom, or Christmas Eve, or whatever. Wow. You should have done beer. that. In, I know. Um, we're drinking Stella Artois, however you say that, I can't pronounce it. And it is the Midnight Lager. It is a fucking, um, I don't know, like a, it's like a limited edition. It literally says limited edition on the label. Oh, right there. Limited don't edition. Don't strain yourself reading. <laughs> Premium dark lager, 5.4%. It is pretty goddamn tasty. Uh, so there's a plug for Stella Artois, like, like they need my plug. Uh, anyway, so yes, we were talking about, uh, before I forgot to hit record, um, we were talking about how that this this advertisement on IMDb is, is, is quite a spoiler for The Stand because we haven't even seen Randall Flagg, and there he is with some very high hair. I Don't, don't be jealous because his hair's majestic. Okay, but it's like he is in the 80s while everyone else is in the current age because they were talking about Twitter and Instagram, so they're doing The Stand. They're not trying to put The Stand you know, in the time frame that it was created and they're putting it in modern times and he, he just looks out of place. He's fucking wearing, he's wearing all, he's wearing a denim shirt. Which is literally how, he, what he's described as wearing. He's an all denim guy. He, no. like this, they're going based on his description. No, I book. know. It's just funny. I didn't realize that he's got a denim shirt, a denim jacket and denim jeans. Boy, he's gotta be hot. That's Look, gotta be sweating. I will take that pompadour that he clearly is sporting <laughs> over the mullet in the uh, original, don't you TV talk shit about one. mullets? 
um, any day because well also because he plays Eric in True Blood so I have a permanent crush on him oh well that's fair and uh, we also have Whoopi Goldberg who's looking fucking gnarly I'm liking I mean, I the think white they dreads did, uh, yeah some sick dreads there but I, I do think they did a good job because clearly some of that is makeup she's not well, that yeah. old no she's not that old she's not a hundred and some years old so uh, they had to add some extra uh, layers there layers layers that's the second week in a row I've said that wow and uh, are they moving? I'm just tripping out, man. This no, it's when you. Uh, oh, okay. Over. When I when I push the mouse away, they move. Okay, I was like, oh my god, is there something in the? No, theater? it's actually moving. Whoa, yeah. Oh, trippy. Uh, yeah, the internet's kind of divided on this because I posted that we were watching on Thursday. Because if, if you do not know, uh, the new rendition or adaptation, whatever you want to call it, of the stand is streaming on CBS All Access. Not streaming on cable, you do have to purchase the streaming platform, which is where I was kind of confused because I heard them say fuck, and I looked at you and I'm like, I don't, this can't be on, you can't say fuck on TV, and I looked it up, so only on the streaming platform, and like I said, the internet is divided. Uh, I mean, they're mostly divided over the, the one thing. No, no, no. I was like, some some person was like, "Fuck Whoopi, Whoopi Goldberg. She's not my actress," and or like, ra- like I was just talking shit about it. I'm um, like, guys. Actually, you know what's funny is my parents actually specifically said they would not watch it because of Whoopi Goldberg. Did she do something? Um, I besides think be she a goddamn got a saint? little political, uh, and that rubs people the wrong way. Well, yeah, that so, makes sense. Um, interesting. Not that I have any idea. Um, and um. Yeah, I yeah. don't. I, I don't. And then I know with uh, Amber Heard, there's a lot of um, well, yeah, stuff with like I, when I started reading reviews on the stand, half of them were fuck Amber Heard, and I was like, oh, oh my. Um, yeah. So people aren't, and you know, I understand it's shitty what's going on with that situation, but saying fuck an entire show because what you don't like one person, that's kind of shitty. Like you're not even going to give it a chance just because you don't like one person. Like I don't agree with what's going on or the allegations, but still seems a bit much. Yeah. I had to explain to my parents why that was so upsetting to everybody. I'm like, because it's um, double standard bullshit. So yeah, like I get it. I totally get it. I also know that the stand is a series. I've been waiting a very long time for it to get remade. And I'm, going to watch it yeah. and also um Skarsgård I'm actually yeah I, I love him because of yes, True Blood so I, I had to watch it <laughs> well it's just exciting because the last uh adaptation of this was 1994 and I believe Mick Garris directed that and it's good but you know it's a bit aged it's 26 years old so this one, and you know, that was to TV, that was a limited series to television. This is to a streaming platform. And I can tell you just from the first episode alone, it is going to be very goopy, very like Cronenbergian almost because of how gross everything is. And uh, it's going to be very bloody. There's a lot of swears in it. And the um, just the sound design and the cinematography is phenomenal. When we were watching it in that dream sequence when he was uh, with the Las Vegas lights, it just, it just looks so clean and nice. So, and yeah, so we watched the first episode, um, and right away you can tell, whereas the first film, some of the actors were aged appropriately, but like Rob Lowe and Molly Ringwald, bless them, love them in the in their roles, but they were both 10 years older than their characters, which, I mean, like, Molly Ringwald was playing a teenager at 26, and then they dyed her hair black. Like, let's talk about how to make Molly Ringwald look way older than she is in the first <laughs> place, but... The um, most of the actors in the main cast, if they're not already described as being 
people in their like 40s or um, Mother Abigail, who's like 100 years old. Um, yeah, she old. They're actually more age appropriate. And most of the actors are younger than us now, um, which was great. Um, though uh, it was really funny. We were talking about how uh, the girl who is playing. Uh, why did her name just leave my head? The main girl in this. Who did Molly Ringwald play? Why can't I think of her name? Oh, frickin' the girl who Harold is all after? Yes. Yeah, whatever her name is. Franny. Franny. Yeah, Franny and uh, Stu get together in the books. Um, And I know that there's a big age gap because I know she's like 18 and he's like in his 40s. But once you actually see actors who are 18 and in their 40s, it looks real weird on screen. I was like, oh, man. Now I can't unsee how weird, how weirdly large that age gap is for them. Well, I mean, that's how it was in the book, though, right? I know. Yeah. It's, it's totally accurate, which, cool, they actually have characters who, like, look age-appropriate but look really weird together because she is clearly so much younger than him because in the um, the one with uh, in the 80s, or sorry, the 90s. 94. Um, yeah, 94. They are closer in age, so the age gap was not as noticeable. But... Uh, there, this is unlike the um, the one from the '90s. It is not told linear. The um, the one from the '90s went straight by the book. It went from the outbreak all the way, like it went from beginning to end of story. Started with the outbreak. This one um, seems to be focusing more on individual characters, and it focuses on a. It, and this may change format to the next episode. We don't know, but it was focusing mostly on Stu and Harold and kind of going back and forth to what's going on currently with them. And then what happened when the outbreak occurred and the guy who's playing Harold thumbs up to you, buddy. Cause he really um, exhibits the inner like rage and um, his name's Owen Teague. He was uh, what's his face from it. Patrick's Pat. Patrick, uh, yeah, Patrick, whatever, Patrick. Yeah, Patrick. Yeah, uh, he was the guy who kept um, doing like the flamethrowery thing in uh, it. Yeah, he had the, the Zippo down in the. Uh, oh yeah, with the uh, can of yeah. hairspray or whatever. Yeah. And um, he he does a great job because a lot of the book, you know, you can you know stuff that the characters don't necessarily say, and he did a really good job portraying like his anger at Franny not being interested in him, his real outsider personality, how he's not quite right in the head, and that um, he starts putting on this fake personality for people, which even Franny's like, that's creepy. Um, it's a bit weird. But he does such a good job. Like the there, there was a moment where he takes a picture of Tom Cruise and starts trying to imitate his smile. Oh, yeah. In, yeah. in the bathroom, <laughs> and you're like, what is he doing? I'm like, oh... He's trying to practice his, yeah, I'm a fun, nice guy, but he's really nutty, which is really funny that they chose Tom Cruise for that. Yeah. Yeah. So I think so far I'm really enjoying it. Um, I, I really want to watch the next episode, but they're rudely doing it one week at a time. Oh, hey, yeah. they're going to do it on New Year's Eve. That'll be weird. Well, so, yeah, it's like I said, it is on a streaming platform, but they're pulling the man. I think because Mandalorian, I believe, also does the weekly episodes, yep. which is smart because, you know, like it gives people a chance to let the show breathe. You Someone can't binge it in a night and fucking spoil it for everyone. It, just, it Yeah, which sucks. That's the one thing I don't like about that with Netflix. Well, yeah, and that's uh, that's why I like these new streaming platforms. Are actually because it, it's like reminiscent for me to actually sit down and be like, oh, I have to wait a week. I kind of miss that. You know what I mean? Like I kind of miss having to wait a week 
and then be like, oh, that's right. That's what happened last week. So it's kind of cool that they're doing it this way. But yeah, it was an odd choice because the next episode is Christmas Eve. And then the day after that is New Year's Eve. So a bit odd, but... Well, at least we know what we're doing those days. Oh, nothing yeah. Else. Uh, Just that. Nothing else. And they are available, I think, at like midnight, you know, that yeah. day. So like we woke up and it was already on CBS All Access. So it's not like a certain time. It's just that day you can watch it. Uh, They're doing nine total episodes, at least according to IMDb, one per week. And the finale, uh, which will end on February 11th. And what's really cool about this is the fact that Yes, I know it hasn't finished airing, but it does say, you know, like next to the stand on IMDb, it says 2020 dash and it doesn't have, you know, 2020 next or 2021 next to it. So maybe we might see more. I know they said it's a limited series, but I mean, uh, maybe. I feel like they're going to do one, but they haven't finished it. So they're closing it off. But but yeah, this is exciting. Um, They're like I said, first episode. Very good. And they're like hour, like full hour long episodes, if I'm not mistaken. Let me click on. the Yes, first they were one. hour long episodes. I don't see where it says the time. It was 59 minutes. When oh, 59 minutes. OK, yeah. So super exciting. And that, the reason that people were complaining, too, is what from what I saw is uh, the fact that it's not following the book and it's not linear. And it's like, guys, when they redo stuff, they kind of have to go a different way. Like the new Pet Cemetery, you have to do something different or else you're just it's like people did people did people like this the psycho shot for shot remake no so it's like well what do you want like do you want them to do shot for shot or do you want them to do new because seems like there's yeah. problems either way and it makes sense for them to not do it linear because honestly there are a shit ton of characters they they oh really God. have a lot this is a character heavy book they're and they want to give each character their space so you can actually get to know them and have a real sense of them and not get they didn't want to do the whole, okay, well, you got five minutes of them because we got eight more characters we got to show. They want to actually give the characters a chance to flesh out. So doing um, flashbacks and flash forwards makes sense for them because it, it gives you a chance to get a real sense of who everyone is without feeling rushed and without going, who the hell was that guy again? Because I, I, I saw him for five minutes a week ago. I don't remember anymore. Well, and not to mention, though, too, with all of, of how they're telling the story, you kind of need to know the story. Because if you don't, it's going to be quite confusing. And again, that's probably something else pe- maybe people weren't happy about. If you haven't watched the, you know, the stand from 1994 or read the book, it's going to be very confusing. Because they do, in, at least in the first episode, yeah, they were bouncing all around. And you're like, okay... This is them in the future. What the fuck? So, yeah, you really have to pay attention and have a pretty firm grasp on how the, uh, at least the novel went. Well, I will say I did really like one of the changes they made with Stu's experience being locked up um, by the government oh, because yeah, was he was cool. the only one that wasn't sick. Um, I did like that because they still had the um, people who were like, we're here to do a job, a murdery type job. It's real but, hush hush. <laughs> Yeah, but he still, you know, they made the doctor more likable because in the the book and the um, original series, he was much more like, um, screw you and you're not being sick. And in this, he like they they gave the doctor um, more dimension, like he leveled with Stu. He's like, this is what we need. This is what's going on. This is what I can tell you. And you got a sense that it was really nice for them to really express that not just because someone isn't is part of some sort of operation doesn't mean everyone some sort of robot like there are the i'm gonna do exactly as i was told people but there are the people who have compassion and i think that's super important 
to show, especially now with the whole COVID pandemic, to like show that like just because people are doing a job doesn't mean there aren't people with compassion and that really care and you know they just want people to survive this thing. Well, yeah, and that's and that's kind of funny because we had talked briefly before, I think either before or while we were watching it, and we were kind of impressed that they didn't you know postpone this because you know that's what they did with the hunt. When the whole political stuff was going on, they kind of pushed it because it, you know, it wasn't PC at the time. And I, you know, this, it's like I'm kind of surprised that they're letting this slide because it is pretty much what's going on. Right? Obviously, you know, not as people aren't turning into goopy monsters and attacking people, but it is, you know, it's a disease that's wiping people out. I mean, it's so. just it's a super flu mixed with like several other things that's killing 97% of the population now. Granted. We're not that bad, yeah. but <laughs> but it still hits very close to home. Is um everybody getting sick and mass graves and people dying? Like it all it all is very on par for this year. And in fact, the little thing right there actually says um the it's a video you can watch and says the cast and creators of the sand sound off in their Stephen King adaption and it's serious twenty twenty vibes adaptation. You're, you're skipping an, you're skipping a ta adapt yeah this is gonna be good I'm very excited to see how the story progresses I'm uh, I'm gonna try and listen to the stand you know as much as I can in between episodes Except so the I, parts that nobody wants to hear well yeah uh <laughs> fucking butt fucking gun part uh but yeah I'm gonna try and watch or what you really need to say yeah that's a, well I wanted to make people you know aware of what happened I know we I'm pretty sure we talked about the stand we did. yeah on episode like six or eight when we did the uh, horror is king which by the way that's coming in 2021 uh th- part three so yeah it's gonna be uh, I've got high hopes for it damn the haters I don't I don't care what people are talking shit about everyone's gonna find something to talk shit about when it comes to a new or you know it comes to a, uh, like a you know essentially a revisiting something that's already been done um, but you know it's not going to be for everyone, and I can't expect everyone to love it. So I have to just, you know, let it go. It's fine. Yep. We're really going to like it, and we're going to talk about it on the on the, you know, on the the podcast. So, uh, yeah, you can check that out. CBS All Access comes out on Thursdays. And what, how much how much do you pay for the CBS, if you um, can Commercial-free, it is $10 a month. That's, or that's, you get a 15% discount if you pay for the whole year, but I didn't feel like doing that. Yeah, so that's not bad. And they also have a really good other wide selection of stuff as they, you were coming through. So Yeah, they have um, Comedy Central and Nickelodeon on there, which was yeah. pretty nice. So a wide range of stuff, so definitely recommend that. Uh, what do you say? Should we talk about some crazy Santas and like ancient demons and what people do on Christmas Eve in parking garages? Should we do that? I want to talk about the Christmas movies. That's what I. That's what I just said. What? What? Huh? What's in your? What is in these beers? Beer. Ugh. Okay. All right. So let's talk. Let's take it away. Let's talk it away. Let's take it away. We're gonna talk it away. Let's take it away with you and this first movie. Okay. So the first movie is one that we have been. Um, meaning to watch for a very long time, and frankly, now that I've seen it, <laughs> so um, <laughs> there's that. <laughs> the first movie up is Anna and the Apocalypse. Uh, it was released in 2017 or 2018 in the UK. Um, it's a British film. Um, oh yeah, and it's rated R. It's an hour and a half runtime. It's a, co- a comedy horror musical, and. Based around Christmas. Yeah, so it's your fairly standard <laughs> zombie premise. Um, everybody's living their humdrum regular lives, talking, and they're all high schoolers, so they're all talking about when I graduate, 
magical rainbows of life will happen and it'll be great and freedom and I will seize the world. That's not what happens, guys. Um, and they find that out real quick, too. <laughs> yeah, and then suddenly they find themselves in the midst of a uh, zombie apocalypse and they are just trying to get back to their families and trying to find safety. That's the essential premise of the film. It's um, quite simple, it's honestly. It's a very simple premise. Not a lot um, going on. You've got your classic characters, the girl who really just wants to branch out and wants her widowed dad to stop smothering her with all that love and affection and caring about her future. <laughs> that son of a bitch. Well, didn't they um, kind of have like a like a rocky relationship? Because they, they were fighting in the beginning. Well, they were fighting because she said she didn't want to go to university. She wanted to go see the world first, and that really pissed him off. God forbid you go to Australia. Why, why would you let that be your dream? Rude. Well, I feel like she was doing that like, Dad, you're smothering me thing and really all he wanted was for her to not end up like him because he was like the handyman at the school and it's you're like it's a classic setup it's what i mean also what happened to the mom sorry i I, she said she did okay because they said she's not with us but they never i don't know if they went into any more detail because that could mean divorce dead she's dead i don't know but she's locked up in prison jail yeah well she's dead okay she's so um Yeah, and it's funny because that whole, oh, the daughter's um, a free spirit who wants to go travel and the dad's a um, handyman. That's, that's, there's so many movies where they've done that. Like, she's all that. Oh. Um, when they parodied that and then not another teen movie. Like, that's a pretty common teen movie trope there. Um, and then she's got the best friend who, clearly is interested in her and she awkwardly has to express to him that she's his best friend. Very, very. Which, which is exactly how she does it. Like, yeah, you're a great friend. She's like, and we're best friends. We'll always be best friends. Best, best friend. Friends. <laughs> best friend. And he just kind of gets upset and you're like, bro, um, you've known each other for like a good 10 years. She's clearly not interested at this point. And then you've got the, uh, classic couple who can't stop frenching each other and a um like a girl who wants to rebel and share the real news and the douchey guy who can't stop douching it up who has a past with the you know dreaming girl there the dreaming girl the girl who has dreams oh yeah so basic trope people there and i i think they did that intentionally honestly like i I did understand that a lot of this was them trying to poke fun at um, things like High School Musical where everyone's that archetype character and then they start singing and let's not forget this is in fact a musical. So they're all singing about how much they just want to get out of here and how much they want to live a magical future. And, you know, all the meanwhile, they're... um, douchey headmaster is just there to make them miserable for no apparent reason oh god i know we were hoping we were like please please die first and he dies he i think survived right. I think way he, longer than i wanted him to pretty sure he's like one of the last people to die and i'm just like oh my god you're the worst but pretty epic death i will say so yeah so, that was that was fun um so yeah they got the they are singing they're in the school singing their song about how they just want a better life and blah 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 and then They go home that night. The next morning, the girl, whose name is Anna, obviously, (laughs) and her BFF, whose name is Guy in Christmas Sweater, 
John, um, also a guy in Christmas sweater, uh, they start singing their own musical numbers about how today is going to kick ass. And they've got their headphones in and they are having a dance party all by themselves down the street. Apparently with their eyes shut the whole time because (laughs) the zombie apocalypse is literally broken out around them and like people are being chased and killed. And that was actually a really funny scene because you're like, how are you this oblivious and it's pretty amusing, like th- that they're just having a whole musical number, like nothing's going on. So I really did enjoy that scene. Well, yeah, and then um, they met up in the. Uh, were you gonna say that? Yeah, they okay, they yeah. met up in the cemetery and talking about how it's a great day to be alive, which they said a lot for the cemetery. So yeah, I did really enjoy that. Um, and then they had the uh, oh, I forgot to say that they had their Christmas musical before that happened. Oh, with the... Uh, the, that, the okay, the, so the, there was only three musical numbers I actually liked in this. Yeah, and there was a lot of other ones that were just kind of okay, I Yeah, guess. like, the singing was great. Great singers. Oh, for Shout sure. Shout out to them for actually casting people who could sing. What can I do, ladies? Um, and... Because th- that doesn't happen all the time. So, shout out to them for getting... Good singers. I think the girl who played... Looking at you, Pierce Brosnan, and fucking... Uh, what's it called? How Mama met, Mia. How much mother... How I met your Mama Mia. Here uh, we fucking go again. Your mother. <laughs> um, the girl who played Steph, the girl with the little pixie cut, she was really good at singing. Probably the best singer, honestly. Yeah. She was fun. She was belting that shit. Like, yeah, she was rocking it. And... Um, but they have this ridiculous, like, musical pageant, and one of the girls sings a song that is essentially like Santa Baby, but if Santa Baby was much less about gifts and more about um, banging Santa. and It's like the X-rated uh, uh, Santa Claus, Baby Santa, whatever it was. Santa, Santa Baby. Baby. And that Baby was Santa. hilarious because... It was like a weird mix of people who were not catching on to all the innuendos, and then and they were like clapping along, and then the other people who are just mortified watching it, and then the headmaster's pissed. Well, and then you have the dads too that were like, "Yeah," and you're like, "No, you're a dad. You shouldn't. That's a high school chick. No, no, no. That, the, the, the line uh, has been crossed." And then all the teenage boys who came out in tiny Santa shorts and started like dry humping candy canes, and you're like, "What?" Who allowed this? Produ- it was hilarious. Yeah, that song was a lot because she was essentially talking about fucking every guy in school at that point. And she, what were they like? Were they no, she it? was talking about banging Santa, which I I said. Oh, yeah. whatever. It sounded like she, it just sounded like she wanted to do everyone in the auditorium. That's that's what I got from it. So I don't know. No, mostly just Santa. Tomato, tomato. Um. So that was a really spectacular mu- musical number uh, there. But back to the film. Um. <laughs> So they figure out the apocalypse is going on. They decide to go. They can't go back to their houses because somehow they've narrowly avoided danger for how many ever kilometers they have traveled. I don't know. Uh, Far too long. Many kilometers. Um, so they decide they're going to go to their job at the bowling alley and try to hide out there. And they bump into two of their friends. The... Um, girl Steph who's the blonde pixie girl who wants to report what's really going on and the um, boy half of the couple who can't stop making out and I mean that's what I'm calling them that's fine I'm just making up names for them whatever Um, (laughs) so they decide to camp out in there for the night and they do have to fight off several um, zombie bowlers and one cleaning lady 
which they had some really good kills in there. What was the one that they had that you really liked? I was gonna. I was just about to say some of my favorite kills because ninety percent of them were in the bowling alley. So first we have to back up to when they first saw the first zombie. When they do the seesaw decapitation, that was amazing because they're trying to like just throw Anna's bag at the zombie and it's not working. So she's like, all right, hold on. After they try to fight with this thing and then the zombie walks over and then she just yanks the seesaw down. Other side comes up and head just boop. I was like, oh, that was fun. And then they had the toilet seat head smash, which was also fun. Then you had the two bowling balls to the head. Probably my favorite kill because homie just takes two in his hands and then kind of comes up to the sides of his, like the both Smashes sides. Smashes the guy in the yeah, sides of the head. Both sides of the head. That was amazing. And then you had the, uh, what the fuck? Pin test? Oh, oh, yeah, yeah. The, um, like the pin sweeper that comes down to yeah. take the pins away. Uh, someone got smashed in the head with that. And then you had the uh, mop through the ear, I believe. So it was like five fucking amazing kills back to back to back. And that, that was that was a solid scene right there. I, I enjoyed that. Yeah, that was pretty fun. And then they're talking about how they live really close to a military base. So while they're all trapped in there, a bunch of adults and the headmaster and their parents and um, the girl half of the making out couple, um, along with boy half's grandmother are all um locked into the school because that's supposed to be the safe place to meet up and they're like oh well there is a military base like right here so they're gonna work on evacuating us except what happens is while they're uh like after night falls they they see a bunch of explosions and stuff because clearly the military base has fallen so it's fucked so then they sing um a musical number about wanting to hear human voice. Um, the singing was good. I didn't really care about the number. Um, and then the four kids go out that day on in um, an attempt to go reach the uh, school. And they decide there's a giant inflatable pool that they had inside the bowling alley for some reason. I'm guessing it was a kiddie pool. For well, it was, the, uh, they had a they had a ball. They were like it was, it like, was a, like a ball pit. It was a ball pit, but it was you know like one of those inflatably like two clearly for children. Yeah, two people can fit in. Like two grown adults can actually fit in there. Obviously not swim, just kind of sit. One of those. And um, so they go inside that and uh, or they flip it over and use it to uh, try to safely travel, and they get pinned down by some zombies. So which is a really spectacular moment where some old lady sits on one of the girl's heads and then like an old lady zombie. Yeah. And then like proceeds to like pee and she's like, they're like, it's okay. There's plastic. She's like, it's warm plastic. It's warm. (laughs) And um, then they realize they're getting pinned down by more zombies and suddenly uh, someone comes to rescue them and it turns out it's douchey guy. Doucheroo with his douchettes. Oh, and his douchey crew. Yep. Yeah. And... And then they sing a really amusing oh, number God. where it's a, it's just a rock ballad. It's like so unnecessary, but it was really funny how they're just talking about how good they are at killing things. And you're like, that's a concerning song to want to sing, but sure. Very, um, very, very uh, fucking falsetto-y to at one point. He's just like hitting notes that I could not even dream to hit. I'm like, damn, that's some that's some good singing right yeah, there. Yeah, he did a great job. And it was like as goofy as a number as it was. I, I did really enjoy that number. Still great singing, just wasn't really into the music. I just, they really good singers. Yeah, and um, so they are all trying to make their way through town. They lose some people along the way in a uh, Christmas tree mm-hmm, mm-hmm. tent. 
because someone thought it would be a good idea to go into a Christmas tree tent where they can't really mm. see anything. Yeah. So um, douchey guys, homies, eat it. Um, and also each other. Um, oh. Yeah. Ah. And in the midst of all of that and thinking they're all safe and good, um, BFF also gets bit in the hand, so he sacrifices himself to save Anna. And yeah, like that you're like, oh, okay, so we built up this whole we have to discuss how much we're friends thing, and he just barely made it through the film. Okay, cool. And yeah, pretty much everyone dies, like pretty much. Yeah, or once not, they make me. it to the school, it's just an obstacle of yeah. trying to get to where the, the people got locked up, and the um, headmaster's totally had a crack up because nothing is going to plan. Oh, he's lost it And at that he point. sings a wacky, weird musical number about um, himself, really. And yeah, after that, it's, it's pretty much the climax of the film. People trying to make it out, people trying to save people's lives. Uh, unfortunately, makey outy couple does not make it either. They um, don't makey out of it. No, no. It's real sad though. Super cute moment when they're zombies and they're walking past each other and they kind of like their hands kind of connect for a second and they kind oh, of yeah. hold on a little bit. And you're <laughs> like, oh, that's actually kind of cute. Like we're zombies, but I still a little bit love I you. I still, I still kind of remember you, maybe possibly. Um, I don't want to give away the entire climax of the film, but um, it it. It is a pretty fun climax. I think the reason we had an issue with the film was because it did kind of vibe like High School Musical. Oh, where so it, hardcore. So and I haven't even seen those movies. I've just seen the, like, you know, when I used to watch Disney, I'd see the commercials for them. I haven't seen them either. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, there, there's, there's movies like Suck. Where it was a band, so they'd have musical numbers kind of worked in, but it made sense because they were also a band, so they were supposed to be the musical numbers they had, so it kind of blended in that way. And then there are musicals like Broadway musicals where the dialogue merges into a song on that topic. Like, simple example is um, Little Shop of Horrors and singing Feed Me. It's like, the plant singing about how much it wants to get food and what it really wants to eat and how great it'll be for Seymour if he just gives him food and it works itself into the plot. And then all these songs are super like existential. They're singing about themselves and um, their feelings. And it just kind of vibed too much like high school musical for me. And I, that, well, I get, they were probably trying to make fun of it. Um, yeah. Was this trying to be like a satire? Quite, on it didn't quite work for me. Um, like, I liked some of the musical numbers, but it also could have not been a musical and been fine. They could have taken out all the musical numbers and the film would have been no different. Yeah. I uh, felt the same way because as you, if you've listened to the musical episode that we did, I ended up loving all of them. And I think I gave every single one that I watched uh, a four. So I was very excited because I thought, ooh, this is something new that I like. And it's a horror musical about zombies. All right, cool. But yeah. It kind of just fell flat. I did not like half the songs. They were just too, like, ballad-y or too high school musical-y. And they just kind of started singing and it was no lead up. It was just like, by the way, we're singing. Like, all right. I mean, cool. But I kind of like the lead in. I mean, even Repo. But Repo was like, and it, everything was a song. Like, I don't, yeah, It I don't... was an opera, <laughs> which in operas, ordinarily, there's almost no t- there's spoken no, yeah. dialogue. And it's all singing. And like Broadway musicals, it's... A mix, but the mix blends out into the songs. Like, there's a good blend. This was just, like, 
a regular film that they threw songs into. Yeah, th- exactly. That's exactly how it felt. They just took a movie and were like, let's just throw songs. Let's just pepper in some songs because I don't, it's just, I don't know, just fell a bit flat for me. Although I did love the kills and the singing, even though I wasn't a fan of it, like I said, was fantastic. Like the singing was great. I also didn't really connect with any of the characters enough to that care. That too, yeah. Like I did not care about Anna, didn't, I didn't care about anybody, honestly. No. It's not that they weren't likable. Okay, I did I did like the one chick who could really sing, Steph. Yeah, I she liked was, her. So I liked her, but yeah, I didn't there was no connection to any character and you kind of have that to be able to get into a movie and we yeah, I didn't even realize that. You said that. I'm like, "Oh yeah, I didn't really yeah, care." Yeah, there about wasn't anybody. a character that was like, "Oh man, I really want them to make it." Nah, I didn't care. Yeah. I mean So, yeah. I'm with you on this one, man. I'm glad we feel the same way. I, I mean, I still, I still gave this a three. Just I would beca- agree with that. Yeah, just because great songs, good gore, you know, our rating, and again, the singing. The, the singers were great. They the did a great. great job singing. So, yeah, I can't knock it too much, but I don't know. There's just some people who love this, but again, then again, it's they might like this certain type of musical style or whatever, or maybe they just really dug the songs. I was just not a fan of the songs. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't know. I still would recommend it. It's uh, definitely a fun time because, like I said, good gore and all that stuff. But it just fell a bit flat for me. I also had some pretty high expectations. Because so many people said they liked it. Well, that and because of the musical episode that we did where I loved all of them when I wasn't expecting to. So maybe my anticipation was a little bit hyped up because of those two things. So Yeah, man, if we had done this during the musical episode, that would have really brought your rating streak down for that episode because yeah, everything was a four so um i did see something cool here oh in the uh yeah so apparently there's three versions of this movie the usa cut which is 93 which is what we watched uh the uk cut which is 98 and then there's a festival cut that's 108 minutes no offense gonna pass on a 20 20 minute longer movie of that 93 minutes was perfect that was a that was a good time it's not like it like it what didn't wasn't bogged down or wasn't slow but definitely wouldn't want to add 20 more minutes onto that so yeah yeah uh yeah that's pretty much all i've got here for fun facts yeah uh anything else that you care to say oh this does have a uh it's got a 6.0 out of 10 on IMDb, and then, pardon me while I look this up in my letterbox here, and in the Apocalypse has a 3.2 on letterbox. So, boom. Well, there you go. Yeah. Ho, ho, ho. All right. Let's move on to the next one, which is, uh, it would have been my favorite if it weren't for the random, like, standard definition shots that wiggled their way into this movie because it kind of took me out of it every single time. They were really distracting. It was distracting. It is uh, Silent Night, Deadly Night from 1984. This is a brisk hour and 19 minutes um, rated R horror thriller. And this is the one that is literally... Christmas. I mean, it's 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 completely centered around Christmas. Main b- villain is in a Santa costume. You know, honestly, I thought this movie was longer. Some like, well, I did enjoy it. Um, for me, towards the second half, some of it dragged a little. I mean, I loved every second. I mean, of this. I no, it's not to say I didn't enjoy it, but there was some bit where like it felt like they dragged out some scenes. But oh. I'll I'll express those later as you talk about the film. That's fine. 
All right, so we have a very odd setup because you have this family driving, or actually, we, it actually starts with a pretty wicked title sequence. I was about it. And then it cuts to a family driving in the car. We don't know where they are until we see a sign that says Utah and the, you know these huge, beautiful mountains in the background. Gave me a very Shining-esque vibe just because of the location of where they're at. No, nothing else besides that. Um, and they're driving, and they're going to the Utah mental facility to visit Jimmy's dad. Now, Jimmy is married to, oh, I should write all this down, whatever. He's married to, whatever, his wife. And Let's then go with Billy's grandfather and then Billy's parents. Okay, fine, it's gonna yeah, because it's going to be, yeah, so Billy's dad, yeah, they're going to see Billy's grandfather, and... Um, so they go to visit him, and he's he's been unresponsive for, I don't know, an indeterminate amount of time. He does not answer what anyone says. But then the second that Billy is left alone with his grandfather, which, really weird choice, the entire which family... He's like eight years old. Yeah, he's eight years old. The entire family goes... What? I'm sorry, take that back. He's not eight yet, because he's eight um, at the next sequence in the film. So he's got to be like four or five. Okay, whatever. He's super young. Whatever. Uh, yeah, I guess the family, I don't know why they left, but they all leave the room. Billy's there. And then fucking grandpa springs to life. Well, not literally, but you know, he actually starts talking, telling Billy about, you know, Santa Claus and, uh, how not only does Santa, cause you know, you know, when you're taught about Santa as a kid, you know, if you're good, you get presents. If you're bad, you get a lump of coal. Well, Billy's grandfather has different ideas of what happens because he says he punishes all naughty kids. And, uh, you know, Billy's like, well, I haven't been completely good this year. And, you know, that kind of makes grandpa chuckle a bit. So, yeah, it's not about a lump of coal anymore. It's no, you will be punished. And that's a big, big part of this movie is punishment. And let's just say that if anyone had experienced what this kid had experienced, (laughs) that scene alone would put someone into therapy. Like my, like, um totally just out of it grandfather came back into like consciousness just long enough to scare the shit out of me and essentially tell me that santa claus was gonna murder me if i wasn't 100 percent pristine the whole year and it's not like oh if you if you did even one thing naughty we're talking like if you snuck a single cookie out of the cookie jar when you weren't allowed to Santa Claus is going to beat you to within an inch of your life. And you're like, the way he says it is so ungodly terrifying. I'm oh, like, yeah. Jesus, now I'm a little afraid of Santa. Like, what the hell? Yeah, I, I didn't realize we were going this route. but uh, Real dark. Yeah, fucking PTSD and repressed memories coming up soon. Anyways, after that, we cut to a Santa Claus who uh, pulls up to this convenience store. And uh, essentially, not essentially, he fucking robs the dude at gunpoint. And tells them to put all the money in, you know, in the bag like they typically do. And the sales associate goes to reach for a gun. But Santa fucking blasts him away with, like, three shots, I think. And then he takes the money, goes outside. He's like, only $31. Like, fuck, bah humbug. Like, yeah, maybe you shouldn't have killed him. Uh, Jeez, like, Yeah, I'm sorry. Your night's rough. I forgot about the dead guy <laughs> in the convenience store. I'm so sorry you had to suffer through this in, in like whole endeavor also fucking dumb dumb move on the like i've worked at a convenience store have i been robbed at gunpoint no but you know i did work at one for like four years if someone came in with a gun my thoughts would be like bro 
fucking back your car up. I will help you load whatever you want in. I'm not fucking dying for a minimum wage like, job. You know what I don't want to do? Die today. Yeah. Have whatever you want. And especially it's since, not my company. Especially since he had $31 too. Like just give him the $31. Don't make it don't don't kill yourself over it. So anyways, Santa's mad because he only got $31. And, and he had to commit murder inconvenient. Well, yeah, they didn't really care about that rude. at all. Uh, so yeah, then uh, we we later see. Uh, I think the next clip is that family running into the same Santa because Sa- that Santa is broken down on the side of the road, and uh, you know they they try to stop to help him, but you know, they pull he pulls the g- same gun, which is a really odd move to do. You know, you need help. Don't oh no, pull- he was faking it. What he was faking the. Oh, help. I didn't know he was faking. Oh, okay. yeah, I, I thought it he was, was a le- oh, it was a roadblock. He, was... he made he essentially oh, made a roadblock. I, I thought he was legit broken down. Okay, well he pulls the gun on the family. Dad tries to reverse it to get away. Homie gets shot in the head, and then that makes the car go into the ditch because he's dead. Uh, Santa pulls him out, throws him on the floor. He's dead, and then he pulls the wife out. And of course, it wouldn't be an '80s movie if they don't get kind of rapey because he, for some odd reason, just rips her shirt open so her breasts are exposed, and then just cuts her neck. And you're like, "Well, so I think he was gonna start to rape her, but then she rudely decided to struggle with the getting raped, (laughs) like." uh, like, ma'am, I am trying to rape you. Could you just lay still and let this happen? Well, quiet? I guess not. I'm going to have to murder you. Again, inconvenient. So, yeah, at, at this point, there's uh, Billy. He gets out of the car before all this chaos happens, and he witnesses the whole event. And then Billy also has a younger brother. I believe his name is Andy, Andy yeah, I think. Yeah, Andy. And... Uh, so yeah, the baby brother is lucky Andy too. Cause like, I really did not think he was going to make it out of that scene. I know. I was kind of thinking that we would see an infant death, but we don't, uh, which great. Cause that would have immediately taken the film out for me. Like there, there's really no reason to kill a baby. Well, you know, he's crazy Santa. So Billy has watched all of this go down. Uh, then it, it, it later cuts to like, what is it? Like six years later or six months? I don't know. It's like, it, I can't remember. Fucking... It's a few years later. Like he's eight now. Yeah. So it's a few years later. And, uh, He's at Billy and his brother are at this place called the St. Mary's Orphan Children Establishment, LLC, whatever. Um, and, you know, obviously Billy's fucking suffering some trauma because, I mean, who wouldn't? You said PTSD. I said repressed memories. I think it's a bit of both because he experiences some flashbacks when he, when he was spying on some people at this place and they're having sex. And he has flashbacks to that night. So obviously he had completely forgotten about it, had the flashbacks, freaked the fuck out because, whoa, what is all that? And then, um, yeah, so he at this point, he's remembering what, what happened that night. It's, it just kind of goes downhill from here. What? Um, two things. Uh, the brother's name is Ricky. Oh, Ricky. Sorry. Because I found them at uh, their ages. Ricky, um, In there, but I, I'm still trying to look for Billy's. Um, and the other thing is that the only reason I call it um, PTSD, because I'm not saying the memories probably aren't repressed in there because she's like, oh, the memories are still in there. But I do think it's a mix of both because um, there's literally a whole thing in, uh, sorry, it's Grey's Anatomy, where one of the guys keeps getting triggered by the ceiling fan in his room um, with PTSD after being in the military. And he actually like chokes out one of the other characters in his sleep because Yikes. he sees the fan and, and like as he's falling asleep, it reminds him of helicopter blades. Oh, um, yeah. So he has PTSD. So that triggers him to attack her. And uh, that's the only reason I say that. Cause that's my main example yeah. for what PTSD looks like. Oh, is that it? 
Yeah, that was it. Oh, I thought you had two things. Well, no, that the other one was that the brother's name is Ricky. Oh, okay. And oh, he was, okay. Billy was five. So this is three years later. Okay, there you go. I got it. I did it. How was it three years later? Um, because there's Billy at age five. Billy oh, and then at Billy at age, age eight. eight. Oh, oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. I thought you said he was five, so this is three years later. So it's like he was two when he saw Grandpa. No, five, eight, and then eighteen. 18. All right. So uh, later on, the Santa Claus comes to St. Mary's, and uh, fucking Billy is put on his lap. But uh, he decides. Actually, no, 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 no. He doesn't get bit on his lap. Santa Claus comes. I think tries to talk to him. Billy just punches. Okay, this is an eight-year-old, right? Billy punches Santa Claus so hard that he falls backwards. And I'm like, dude, he's got to have some strength. What are you looking at? Nothing. Okay. It's like, you got to have some power behind that punch to knock out a full-grown man. They are establishing that Hulk strength that he will later present in the film. I guess so, because, man, he he cleans that dude's clock. And then the camera just does a freeze frame, and then it cuts to 10 years later. And I was like, that is such a weird choice to do. Well, let's not forget that also the mother superior's method for dealing with this, because he draws the picture of like Santa Claus and a uh, beheaded reindeer and it's all blood and gore. Yeah. And uh, mother superior's way to deal with this kid who clearly has trauma, like a shit ton of trauma, maybe from seeing his parents murdered. No telling. Maybe. Um, by Santa Claus, no less, uh, decides that she is going to force him to be okay with Santa and proceeds to beat him multiple times. Oh yeah. Um, and tie him to his bed when he has a um, traumatic dream. And like, you're like, yeah, because why therapy when you could beat the bad memories out of him? Well, this is I also guess. the '80s, different times, man. Different but times. It, like, even the other nun there is like, what the hell? Like, um, she's like, I feel like we should talk to him about this and maybe show him compassion. And Mother Spear is over there, like, nah, I think we should beat him. Well, you know. And she tries to force him, and you're like, God, it's so weird that he didn't turn out to be a normal person. What with you traumatizing him on top of his trauma? Like you're making a trauma sandwich? PTSD squared. Or fucking repressed memory squared. Yeah, so all all that's going on, right? And then we cut to 10 years later, and he's 18. He's working at the uh, this toy store. I don't remember what it's fucking called. Oh, right there, Ira's Toys. And he got it's the called Ira's Toys. He's working. He got the job through you know St. Mary's. They they were able to get him a job there, and he's working. Uh, and then, ooh, excuse me, the the toy store decides to dress him up as Santa, which not a good idea. But you know, of course, they don't know that until it's way too late. Uh, so he's dressed up as Santa, not going too well. Think things are not they're, they're not they're not going well. I just whenever just go, you're done. Go, 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 oh, go. I was gonna say, don't forget the really random, wacky '80s montage that they like have a montage of him working there. Because at first, the guy doesn't even want to hire him, and he's like, "I'm not hiring some kid." And then they like zoom up on him, which weirdly like starts at his crotch for some reason. And they're like, "Look at him, all muscles." And he's like, "Oh, okay, we can hire him." And then it's a wacky montage of him just doing random things around the store, and then people noticing he's doing a good job and nodding, like you're expecting it was awesome. him. You're expecting a title sequence for an eighty sitcom. It was awesome. But um, yeah, like they really want to establish that he was doing a super job up until Christmas. Well, yeah, because they put him in the Santa suit. And uh, after the store closes that night, the entire staff starts drinking and having like a celebration during the party in the store. And I think one of my favorite lines ever in that fucking movie is when the store owner closes the door at seven o'clock. He's like, seven o'clock time to get shit face. I'm like, all right, dude, that's a boss that I would love to have. 
and uh, everyone starts drinking. And uh, Billy again, it's not, he's not going crazy just yet. He's kind of just, he's kind of just like, mo- like, just like, just like, what's it called? Um, he looks like he's having a war flashback. Well, but it's like, it's like, there's a certain expression when you're just kind of, you have no, ex- like vagrant expression, I guess. Vacant? Va- I thought it was vagrant. Vagrant is a homeless po- person. Post- vacant. A, a homeless potion. <laughs> vacant, vacant is empty. So it's an empty expression. Wow. I've been saying that wrong my entire life. Wow. So they have a homeless expression on their face. (laughs) Anyways, he eventually snaps when he sees a man trying to force himself on a girl in the back room during the party. And she's clearly like, no, 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 don't want to do this. But again, is it really the 80s unless you have some kind of rapey moment or rapey vibe? So that's going on. He's trying to have sex with her. She doesn't want to. And, uh, yeah, essentially, I think Billy says to himself that something along the lines of uh, punishment is necessary because he goes over to them and kills both of them, which is really weird because he kills the guy by, like, strangling him with lights, which was pretty fucking awesome. And then the girl is like, what the fuck are you doing? Oh, my God, you're crazy. Like, bitch, he was just trying to rape you. Yes, okay, killing him might have been a little much, but he was just trying to rape you. I saved your life. You should at least be like, Hey, that was a little crazy, but thanks. I'm a go. Um, but no, then he kills her because she was, what was she going to like tell or something like that? I don't know. But he, he killed her, killed both of them because like I said, punishment is necessary. Um, yeah, I, I thought that scene was really bizarre because first off the girl, you like, she is actively saying, no, don't stop. But she's also just standing there and letting it happen. I'm not saying no, that. don't stop. No, don't. Don't stop. Oh, sorry. I was like, <laughs> sorry, sorry, sorry. Jesus. Um, and she is clearly refusing him and he's not stopping, but she's also just yeah, she's- standing there like, like she was a weird mix of actively trying to stop it with her words, but doing nothing physical to try to prevent, like her arms are at her sides well, and she's not doing anything to push him off. And, and even at one like, point she gets laid down on the box and she's just like, not even trying to struggle with her arms. Like, no, stop, please. No. Like, and it was really weird because I totally understand the idea of someone freezing and like, and in, in that moment, but it was like, she was both freezing and not freezing. You're like, okay guys, <laughs> you got to pick one or the other. If she, goes into a moment where she freezes up because something traumatic is happening. Okay. She's kind of not doing that. So you got to like pick one. Cause it's very confusing as to what she's doing there. But then again, the important thing is that she said no, and he did not stop. And so that triggers because he remembers seeing his mom's boobs. Yep. And then he remembers seeing those kids, um, having sex at the school. Like he caught those teenagers having sex at his, uh, like, it's St. Mary's. Yeah, St. Mary's. Mary's like, I don't know, and, um, Catholic place or something. So, like, it all triggers memories for him, and it triggers that uh, idea that, um, because they, even the Mother Superior, when she says, um, she asks him about what he saw when he was eight, he was like, she was like, that was a bad thing. That was a naughty thing. Like, God, you guys are really trying to make sure he needs therapy for his whole adult life. Yeah, he's going to need it. And, um, so that's what triggers. So for him, even though he essentially saved the girl from rape, as far as his brain is concerned, uh, she was n- nude. So she was a part of it. And you're just like, that's well, kind of some, something triggered him killing her. And I can't remember because uh, it was because he saw her naked chest. Her boobs were out and he didn't see the actual interaction. He's just seeing the images. 
to him it's no, just the images oh, no. of the event. I could have sworn there was something that happened because he wasn't trying to kill her at first and then he just fucking gooshes her with that hatchet, I think. Was um, it a hat? What was it? What did he kill her with? It's like a box cutter. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, cuz yeah. he cuz mm-hmm. he takes a box cutter and like cuts up and I was like, "Ooh, no." Yeah, he did say that. Um <laughs> No. But no, he was going to anyway. He just freezed because she was yelling at him oh, and then true. he still proceeded to anyway. Punishment. So, you must be punished. Um, Punish. Which is super fucked cuz essentially that was, "Oh, were you just attemptively raped? You deserve to die for that." Like, yeah. what? So, those are his first two kills. Pretty fun. And then he also goes out, murders a store owner with the business end of a hammer, which is fucking sick. And then there's one lady left, uh, and she finds a store owner and starts panicking. And then we see Billy grab a huge axe. I'm talking like shining big axe, giant axe. It's a fire axe. Yeah, and she almost uh, escapes by tricking Billy, but uh, yeah, he guns her down with a fucking bow and arrow, like. What never saw that coming? She's running towards a door, and then he just picks up this bow and boom, right through the abdomen. Fucking solid kill. And then Billy goes and leaves the store. And it's at this point where he's just on a murderous madman rampage. And I kind of want to just leave it there because I don't want to give away the ending, obviously. That's that's a pretty solid ending. And then there's some also some really other cool kills. Uh, like the uh, antler kill, the deer antler kill, and then the uh, decapitation that happens later. So I'm going to leave it there because I fucking love this movie. I immediately put it in my cart on Amazon and bought the collector's edition because it's so much fun. But the only reason it did not get a four from me is because there are these really fucking weird cuts where it's like in the mu- the, mu- the movie. The movie is like movie. gorgeous for being shot in 84. You know, it's 36 years old. It looks great. But then there's these really weird like literally standard definition cuts that just pop in and out all randomly and then it goes back to it being looking phenomenal so i have to like fucking knock half star off for that because it's kind of frustrating i wish the whole movie was clean because would have got four stars would have been my favorite of the night it's fucking classic 80s awesome goriness so i mean i fucking loved it yeah um it was a pretty fun film uh Physics did not apply to most of this film, yeah, um, some of it which was, was pretty funky. funny. Uh, yeah, because there was that one guy who gets like thrown out a window, but somehow he got thrown through a window, but several shards of glass were jabbed into his side. And you're like, that is yeah. not actually physically possible based on what just happened to him. But sure, let's go with it because it looks cool. I mean, cool. the only way it could have possibly happened and if the, is if the glass went out and landed before him and was up and then he got... But that's not how it happened. Uh, again, uh, yeah, <laughs> or somehow he smashed through the window, got speared on a larger piece, and then thrown through the window afterwards. Like yeah, Because the one on his right side is a fucking... Is, is it, this like the whole window? It's it, like it, the... It's a it's a big portion of window. It's like so a foot long chunk of glass. They're like, there's no physical way that would have happened, but let's go with it because it so, looks cool. So, some logic is kind of thrown out the window, but, but that it's makes still it funny. E- I was gonna say that makes it almost even more fun. Um, uh, but yeah, fucking great movie. I think the only part that really dragged for me is, um, yeah, the the second half. There were some bits where like. There's some interaction between two teens and really they could have cut out that whole interaction and just gone to the sledding scene. Like they didn't really need the first part of the interaction. It was just like there were just like extra character scenes that were funny enough. Some of those moments that were um, added back in that looked like crap. But um, there were just like scenes you're like, you don't really need this to make the story pace. And in fact, it paces better if you had just kind of taken that out. Plus what? 
world's most inept policemen. Like, yeah. they go charging into someone's house because they see a Santa, and apparently there's only one Santa suit in existence. Um, but, like, it's a guy sneaking into his own daughter's room, and they don't even, like, try to verify, and then they, like, gun down some other uh, Santa because he doesn't... Don't oh, verify yeah, yeah. his identity. In fact, <laughs> let's kill him in front of several children, therefore ensuring wild. those... Ki- uh, well, I mean, based on them being there with Mother Superior, that she's going to have to beat that trauma out of every single one of them. No therapy, beatings. It was just so funny, though, how they, yeah, they didn't even try to verify if that was the right Santa. They shot him in the fucking back. Didn't even fucking give a shit. You're just like, wow, guys, that's not how you should go about doing this. What also, are you, what are you guys doing? I found it really confusing, and anyone who's been to a Catholic school or around nuns if you could fill in the blanks here i find it very confusing that the um mother superior put so much emphasis on santa claus bringing gifts and so much emphasis on the kids being thankful for santa because you'd think that she would not press santa so much as god and jesus that's true so i found that really bizarre that she was like how dare you not care about santa like it's not like he's a saint or something i mean he is but you know (laughs) i was like saint nick what do you mean you know what i'm saying i I know um like so it's really odd that she was pressing it so hard so i mean if someone can fill in if that's a thing or that was just some weird over-the-top mother superior i don't know i don't know i i've never met a nun i've got a sister who's related to a nun well all right then jen's great aunt is a nun okay they send her nun themed things that are funny like nunchucks wow not kidding moving on uh yes so like i said gave this a 3.5 out of 5 would have given it a 4 if they didn't have those wacky inserts uh this has a i believe it's a 3.0 out of 5 yeah 3.0 out of 5 on Letterbox and it has a 5.9 out of 10 on IMDb. That's pretty much the exact same rating on a different scale. Uh, definitely 110% recommend this. So much fun. I think I had to rent it, but well worth the dollar or whatever I paid for it. Uh, real quick, I saw this fun trivia here that says uh, this film, oh, the release of this film was picketed by angry parents who were not happy to see Santa Claus depicted at a, as an axe murderer, despite the fact that Tales from the Crypt, 1972, had done the exact same thing 12 years earlier, and Christmas Evil, which is another great, great Christmas movie or Christmas horror, had done the same thing in 1980. As a result, box office sales plummeted once the film was pulled from theaters barely after two weeks. And the film was shelved for another year where it saw a new light in an uncut video, but that has gone out of print. Oh, my God. I need to see that uncut. Holy shit. Um, apparently, Mickey Rooney really um, was vocal about hating this film, but then appeared in Silent Night, Deadly Night 5. 5, the toy which, maker, yeah. Yeah, which people... Um, called him a hypocrite for, but it's theorized that the film was shot under the title The Toy Maker and the name Silent Night, Deadly Night was added to the title in post production to create an in name only sequel that Rooney. And if he had known that that was what the film was going to be, he wouldn't have done it. Oh, shit. Okay. That's interesting. Yeah, it's kind of funny. I still think this is crazy because they, uh, the whole, it was in theaters for two weeks and then they pulled it because people were picketing. Like, listen, Santa Claus is, you have to punish, okay? Naughty kids get punished. 
Just saying. I also like that this beat out um, Nightmare on Elm Street for like a good 20 seconds. Oh, yeah, right Before here. it was pulled out of the uh, theater. Uh, it says, opening, opening on the same weekend as Nightmare on Elm Street and briefly outgrossed the latter by around $161,000 since the film was playing in more than twice as many theaters as Nightmare before the gross fell about 45% by the second weekend. So, yeah, it did beat out Nightmare for a little bit. Because, yeah, there really hadn't been very many Christmas horror movies. Like they said, The Tales from the Crypt in 72, Christmas Evil in 1980. Those were, I'm pretty sure those were like the first couple that ever appeared. Um, and it's a niche market. And also, if you... Uh, now, I've so I've got... There's there's five of these. There's five Silent Night, Deadly Nights, but I've heard the second one. Yeah, the second one has a 3.8. I heard that one is absolutely shit. Um, but then the... Uh, and even the third one is shit as well, but apparently four and five come back around and they're a little bit better. Also, there is a remake called Just Silent Night that was 2012 that has a 5.2. So that would be fun How to... Who's in that? Um, let's see. Uh, because that 5.2, that's just barely less than what... Uh, come on, fucking Silent Night. Let's go. I didn't even click it. 2012. Let's see. We've got... Ma oh my God, Malcolm McDowell? Are you serious? Jamie, Jamie King? Jamie King? Oh, wow. And that's pretty much it. <laughs> no, um, Donald Logue, if you look at him, you know who he is. Donald Logue. Uh, he was in Blade. He was in The Patriot. He was in Ghost Rider. All right, that's cool. He's one of those actors that just appears in a bunch of stuff. It's like, hey, I know you, but I don't know your name. All right, yeah, we'll definitely have to watch that because, um, yeah, it's the same. It's essentially the same thing. The police force a remote mis Midwestern town search for a killer Santa Claus who is picking off citizens on Christmas Eve. Who plays uh, oh. the the guy who's killing people? I'm pretty sure it's Matt. Well, click on a picture of Santa. And oh, that's have that's sheriff. Cast member's name on it. Santa Jim. I don't know. Click on the picture of the Santa Claus holding an axe, and it will tell you who is wearing the outfit. Oh, will it? Yeah, scroll down a little. Oh, Rick Ske R Rick Skeen. Oh, he's actually wearing a full-on mask too. Oh, that's odd. That's creepy. Who's oh, Rick really Skeen? Weird. I don't fucking know this guy. Rick Skeen. Skeen. I don't know this guy. <laughs> Was in <laughs> nothing that I know of. Okay, cool. Oh, wait. Well, he does a lot of stunts. Oh, so okay. he That's might. Probably he, why. I was going to say, maybe he was just in the scenes with, with stunts. I don't know. I don't know. Whatever. We'll watch this and we'll review it because that sounds like a lot of fun. Uh, and it's got it's got really good. It's got a good rating on uh, IMDb. So Silent Night, Deadly Night from 1984. Fucking check it out if you have not seen it, especially since it is Christmas time. So uh, let's go with the third movie there, Gabs. All right. So the next film up, uh, this is one we've watched multiple times. It's a pretty popular one. Um, Krampus. 2015 it's pg-13 mm. runs about an hour and a half and it is also a comedy fantasy horror i'm skipping out the drama part um but i just said it so yeah, you know. i'm surprised that that's not labeled horror because this is pretty fucking like it's pretty scary it's not like scary but it's pretty well i think horror. because it focuses more on the uh the family drama and the emotional aspects of it um that is true so it's a very, it, it's again, it's a simple premise. Um, a boy who believes in Santa Claus has kind of lost his Christmas spirit because his family isn't as close as they used to be. Um, Christmas is more him having like disagreements with his cousins. His parents aren't as close as they were. Everyone kind of argues and not interested in being a family. So he gets into a fight and um, 
after getting teased about a note he wrote to Santa where he asked for his family to have Christmas like they used to um, by his cousins. And uh, he throws the note out the window and this accidentally summons Krampus um, into his neighborhood um, to come and punish those. He, More punishment. Yes, punishment punish, for everybody. Punish, punish. There's a running theme in these. Um, to to punish the family and the people who have been bad. And he learns that his grandmother had once done the same thing as a child and had lived to regret that decision. So they're trying to keep the family together as Krampus and his minions pick off the entire family one by one. I don't want to give like super details on this one because it's such like a fun film when That's you fun. don't know what's coming, but I really enjoy this one. I know you and I like we weren't as into it the first time we watched it, but like when we watched it this uh, last time, we both really enjoyed it a lot more than we had the first time. Yeah, that's, that's, that's um, weird because I remember just watching it and remembering it being just kind of like a subpar movie. Not that it was bad, but not that it was good. I just remember it being like, yeah, that was fun, but I didn't love it. But man, I fucking loved it this go around. Yeah, it was a great cast. Um, a phenomenal cast. I really like that the whole idea is just like a... The kid's not even like, oh, I want this or that. And it's the thing he's asking for is not remotely selfish. All he really wants is for his family to be a family. And I really enjoy that, that whole concept and them not really believing at first, but the more they experience, the more they're like less concerned about whether or not it's really happening and more concerned about sticking together and surviving it. So in a weird way, he brings his family together like that up until, you know, the end. Um, By the way, super bleak ending. So that's it's it's going to you're either going to like it like I did, because I, I do like the occasional bleak ending or you're not going to be a fan of it because it's like I said, it's very bleak and kind of sad. So I, I mean, be prepared for that if you haven't seen it. It's a weird concept because I do like the film. I do like the ending, but I also feel like. The the message of the film is weird. Like if you how so because I, well, I was just about to say it. I'm sorry. Um, if you want your family, if you ask for something simple like your family to care about one another, because essentially that's what the grandmother had asked for too when she was a kid, because her family wasn't a family anymore. If you lose your Christmas spirit because your family no longer has the Christmas spirit. Krampus will come and punish all of you for not having Krampus uh, for Christmas spirit. So really you being upset that your family doesn't, isn't really being a family anymore will in fact get you punished. And it's just a really weird vibe. I think it was more the fact that he was writing a note to Santa, but tore it up and angrily threw it out the window. I think that's, well, no, I know that's what triggered it, but it, it's just like the whole vibe of, um, I mean, that's what caused it. It's was not about learning a lesson so much as, if you've made the mistake, it's already too late. Well, that and the fact that... If you're naughty, you're getting punished. Well, that you're right, because that, that is that is a good point. And uh, I will add to that of the the biggest issue I had with this is the fact that Krampusnacht, if I'm saying that right, is a German holiday. or not, I don't know if it's a holiday, but it's a... It it's, is. Okay, it's a German holiday that takes place on December 5th, if I'm not mistaken. And it's the night, you know, night of Krampus. And he comes to punish all the bad children. But 
uh, that's not any because this takes place through, I think, three days before Christmas. And, you know, they've got like um, uh, fucking Tony Collette and Adam Scott. They're married and they're having the relatives come over. So it took place, you know, like actually it would be taking place tonight if you think about it on December 20. Uh, wait, no. December 22nd. So that was kind of odd that... It's tomorrow. We got a day. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> it's kind of odd that they took the, you know, the Krampus lore and whatever you want to call it and kind of just tweaked it to fit into here. So that's really my only problem story-wise is it's not taking place on Krampusnacht and it's not punishing bad kids because it's not like the kid was bad. He just was, he was angry ha- about his family not being close and he was mad at Santa or whatever. Didn't believe in Santa, so... It was kind of an odd choice of how Krampus was summoned. Yeah, it's like it's instead of getting his family back together and getting this family to um, be happy again, because in the end, they, they sort of end up the way he wanted, but not the way he wanted it. And it's like, so instead of bringing the family together and making them realize the importance of family, it's really like, well, since they're not being a family, we're just going to murder them all instead. Like, what? Yeah, so... Yeah, there are some there are some bits that are a bit odd, but I mean, but the story, I mean the 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 action, the uh, the like the helpers, Krampus helpers are wild oh, dude, and crazy. You've got, you've got the elves, you've got the little gingerbread guys. There's all these, like you said, his minions. He's got all these different minions that come and try to fuck you up. And you know, going back to the cast, I mean, you've got. Adam Scott, you've got Tony Collette, you've got David Kochner, um, you've got that, uh, what's her name, that, oh, Conchata Farrell, uh, what I know her from is Mr. Deeds, but she's also been in so much other Two shit. Two and a half men. Yeah, that's just she where. She passed away recently, didn't she? I don't know. Um, that's, I recognize her from, uh, oh yeah, this year, oh no, in oh October. my god, like two months ago. Oh man. Yeah. She was, she's hilarious. So, I mean, the cast alone in this is phenomenal. So, you, you. Pair that with the fun story and all the crazy insanity that happens. And, like, Krampus doesn't give a shit. He'll, it, like, there are kids. You don't see the kids' deaths. But kids do die in this movie. So he, Krampus is ruthless. Adults, kids, it don't matter. Well, and I know they tried to add a level to it. I think it was in the trivia where they were talking about how um, for the way they wanted to present the story for uh, Krampus was less about, oh, he's here to just punish, punish, punish. It was supposed to have more of like um, Krampus really uh, enjoyed, or like really enjoys what he does. He really likes the cat and mouse aspect of it, like tricking people into stuff, chasing them around, you know, really leading up to his being there and everything. He likes to have fun with it. And I really did get that vibe. Yeah, um, I just have a couple things. If we're not going to go too heavy in the plot, there's a few things that I figure I mentioned. Uh, I do love the opening scene. It's absolutely hysterical. It's uh, they're playing some holiday song, I think, but it's 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 just an entire slow motion montage of people in a store fighting over shit, like yelling and screaming. It's a great Black Friday nightmare. It's a great intro, and then yes, then we go into. Uh, Adam Scott and Tony Collette, they are married. They're having their, their family over, um, which is uh, Conchata Farrell, David Kochner, and then their kids and all that stuff. 
Um, but yeah, and then so eventually, once he throws the rip, Santa's ripped up letter out, I really like this scene because as soon as he throws it out, it gets sucked up into like you know the sky, and then clouds roll in. Everything gets super dark and very, very like you know like scary. You're like, holy shit, what's about to happen? And then it starts snowing and snowing, and eventually they get snowed in, and the power goes out. And so now they're stuck in there with no power, having to light a fire. And then, you know, you have the whole gingerbread men that pop down the chimney. And you have all the snowmen that are weirdly being built in the yard when no one's been out in the yard. And then the elves come and break in. It's just like, it's so crazy. And then at one point you have the daughter who goes to look for her friend, her, uh, boyfriend. her boyfriend. And uh, yeah, they don't make it. So uh, I love that just uh, Krampus just does not hold back and it uh, doesn't matter. No, no lives matter in this at all. It's well, it's great. It's so it's so much fun. I do like how the parents are just kind of oblivious to start with when the son's like, um, also, there's like a snowman in our front yard. And they're like, maybe one of the neighbors built it. Like, who built a snowman in someone else's front yard? Also, it's it's have you not seen outside? It's like a blizzard a bl- outside. Like, what? It's a huge blizzard. What? Are you high, mom? Yeah. But down the pipe. God. Also, I want to like. Well, I'd like my grandmother's, but um, I'd like a grandmother that uh, is like, I'm going to make hot cocoa in the fireplace. Like, that was damn. Oh, yeah. And that was my other issue is the fact that this grandma only fucking speaks German and everyone in the family, most people can understand her. And then they speak back to her in English and they had this conversation. I'm like, what the hell is happening? What I was like, why, why are you that? It was just, it was so confusing. And then eventually she can speak English towards the end. But I was like, it's so weird for you two to be speaking different languages. Like just, just pick one or the other. I don't care if you want to speak German or if you want to speak English, pick one and speak that together. I don't know. I just thought that was weird. It's very odd. I know. Okay. You Sorry. mentioned it several times. During well, the film. you know, and people were not watching uh, with us. So I had to mention it here, but uh, yes, fantastic movie. Uh, gave this a four. Um, because yeah, also I realized this go around that, which I didn't before fucking Michael Doherty directed this. If you don't know who Michael Doherty is, you will probably know him from trick or treat. That's his, that's one of his like most famous movies. He did trick or treat or excuse me, trick or treat Krampus. And he also directed Godzilla King of the monsters, which I did not know. Wait, that was 2015. Wait, what? 2019. Why does it say 2000? It says 2015 right there. That is Krampus. Oh, I'm just fuck. I'm drunk, I guess. Okay. Oh, Trick or Treat 2 has been announced. Okay, I'm sorry. He did Godzilla King of Monsters from 2019. I can barely... Yeah, I'm, I'm good. Uh, and he also wrote and did screenplays for X-Men 2. That's a good one. Uh, X-Men Apocalypse. I like that one. And Godzilla vs. Kong. So, man is well-versed in horror and apparently sci-fi as well. So, I also gave it a little bit more love because, you know, if Trick or Treat is literally one of my favorite horror movies of all time and um yeah i just and i also just we just liked it more i don't know maybe it's because we have the surround sound and we have a better tv and it, I don't, we got more into it i don't know but this is freaking amazing uh it's got a 6.2 out of 10 on letterbox and it's got i should always have this pulled up before i start talking about it i'm so sorry krampus where the fuck are you krampus and it's got a uh, 3.0 out of 5 on Letterbox. Uh, so I don't know what would you cuz you did you wait did you agree with me on Silent Night Deadly I, Night 3.5 or what? Yes, I've been agreeing with you this whole time. So what about this one? I, what did I just say? Yes. Krampus. Okay. Yeah. Uh fun fact here though that I just saw before I even go into the trivia, the first trivia that pops up before you even click see more, 
uh, is two of the ginger. But. I was going to say that, but I figured you'd <laughs> laugh at me. Two of the gingerbread men are voiced by Seth Green and Justin Rowland. That's hilarious. Justin Rowland is one of the guys uh, behind Rick and Morty. And if you don't know Seth Green, I mean, come on. You have to know him. Stop living under a rock. <laughs> He's been around for a while. Um, at least since his birth. Really? Is that is, is that how that works? Tell me more. Well, he'll be around as long as he's alive. Whatever. Good grief. Yeah, Seth Green voices Lumpy, the gingerbread man. <laughs> Lumpy. Not my, not my buttons. Not my gumdrop buttons. Wow. More, more Shrek references. That's great. Uh, 90% of this movie was shot on a soundstage. That makes sense because, I mean, you can't really destroy a house like they did in real life. Uh, too much trivia to go through. I can't wait for the... Uh, I cannot wait for the new format next year because all of this is going to just be done beforehand instead of doing this in the minute or in the moment. Uh, ooh, apparently Trick or Treat 2 will ha- will be returning to in hard. I didn't even realize that this was PG-13 until you just said that at the beginning when you were reviewing this. I was like, wow. Surprise. And people say PG-13 horror movies can't be good. Boom. Exhibit A. All right. There's too much. There's too much fucking. There's too much trivia to go through. Um, but yeah, Krampus, I own it on blue or, and I don't know if it's, it used to be streaming on Netflix for a while. I don't know if it's streaming anywhere, but if it's not buy it, rent it, love it. It's amazing. It'll tell you right there. If you click those three dots. Well, it's too late because we're already on to the next one. So, oh no, oh no, no, family guy, nothing. Oh, I did it. I did it first. (sighs) All right. Let's move on to the last movie here. And that is P2. From 2007, this is more of a Christmas adjacent movie because it takes place on Christmas Eve night. Uh, so it's when love blossoms most. When love blossoms most. What? <laughs> Nothing. Okie dokie then. All right, so this movie kind of has a cold open in a sense, but that exact scene comes back around later in the movie and uh we it, we we see this camera panning towards the back of a trunk and Santa baby is playing and then we see a violent or <laughs> violent a woman violently burst out of the trunk screaming uh cuts to Angela and she's working super late on Christmas Eve uh some business firm i think it's in New York or Chicago yeah, it or something it is in New York it because they talk York. about going to New Jersey and taking a cab that's right but yeah, probably and, not Chicago and i've got that right <laughs> we're going to drive to Jersey it's fine uh from Chicago uh, yeah, so she is, that's right, because she's she was on the phone with her sister saying, I'm, I'm coming, I've got the Santa Claus suit, well, I'll be there tonight, blah, blah, blah. And uh, she heads down to the level Funky of P2. Town. Jesus Christ. She heads down to P, the level P2 in the parking garage, obviously, where the movie is going to be taking place. And, uh, well, wouldn't you fucking know it? Her car doesn't start. Oh, my God, trope number one, and here we go. Uh, she goes to leave to find a cab uh, to go outside. So she takes all of her shit with her, goes to find a cab because she's got to get to this. She's got to get there. Um, but Well, remember, she goes to um, the door to the elevator's lock, so she has to go find somebody to let her up there. I know. I was getting there. I'm mm-hmm. saying she's actively going to go outside. Oh, okay. Yeah, she's going to go outside, but then the, the door is locked. So she goes back downstairs to the security guard's office, and then we get trope number two, which is Crazy Dog coming out of the security guard office, chained up, barking. Um, so yeah, she, he grabs... Oh, by the way, the two the two main uh, peeps in this are Wes Bentley. Now, you'll probably know Wes Bentley uh, from The Hunger Games, uh, Interstellar. And also, he was in American Horror Story. Um, he was 
most notably first in the freak show season. He was the spirit of the guy who would come and um, talk to people about their um, stories. And he had the small head on the back of his head. And he was like, it said it was a demon. And after hearing uh, twisty stories, like you've made the demon weep. I'm like, yeah, I'm weeping. That's a fucking sad story. Also, I didn't realize this, but he was in that really weird Final Girl movie. Oh, yeah. The one with the weird... Uh, with uh, Abigail The Breslin. weird relationship thing that didn't quite make sense. Yeah, he was, he's was. he been in a lot of stuff. Yeah, he's pretty well known. And uh, I'll let you tell the fun fact of why he took this um, this role, because I know you were the one that pointed it out to me. So God, do, you, do, you, do you want to just say it now? Because we're talking about yeah. what he's been in. All right, so, t- so tell us why he was in this movie. So interestingly enough... Um, like one of the first trivias I read while uh, reading the trivia on this film because I've seen him in a lot of things. He's one of those actors who just start recognizing and stuff. Um, He took this film for drug money because he had a serious, it was cocaine and heroin problem through the uh, early 2000s. And apparently he would take any role in order to get himself money to... um, get into these films he's sober now and but he talks about a lot of the films he was in how uh he really only did those so he could get money for drugs and uh well they really read the the cocaine really reads in this film oh yeah for sure because he he cray cray it's really funny how much we've talked about uh you know writers and actors and stuff and they're like why did they do that wild thing cocaine Right, like Stephen King. What? Ha- oh, that's right, cocaine. <laughs> Why did he do cocaine? Cocaine. All right, so he plays Thomas, the the wacky security guard, and then Rachel Nichols plays Angela, and she is famous for uh, Amityville. Oh, that's right, she was in Amityville Horror. Oh my God, uh, Star Trek and uh, GI Joe. Those are the, uh, she was the green roommate in Star Trek. You're welcome, everybody. She, yes, those that's her most known for, and then Continuum, which was a show or something. So that's what she's most famous for on IMDb. So you have them two, and uh, after uh, she tries to get help starting her car, you know, he takes like a little battery jumper out there, doesn't work. She's like, "All right, just just open the door upstairs. I have to go. I need to call a cab." So she calls a cab. It comes, but then she goes to leave, and that door is locked too. Now there was a security guard there, Kurt Carl. Sorry, Carl. Carl. He, he was there earlier in the night, and he's usually the guy at the desk. He's not there, and uh, we actually see that crazy Thomas is watching Angela through the security camera that's pointed right where she's at. Um, so she goes, oh, that's right. She goes downstairs to get him again. She's like, oh, the cab's like, she's like, I'll be right back. And then she, when she goes downstairs, she sees the cabs leave, and then the lights cut out, and you're like, oh, boy. Shit's about to get real. And then, of course, Thomas comes up behind her, chloroforms her, and then she wakes up, A, in a completely different outfit, which is very, very cleavage-y. And it's a two, very Marilyn Monroe uh, seven-year itch dress. And two, she is chained to a table in the guard's office. And three, there is a very, very like romantic dinner set up on this table. So a lot of stuff going on when she wakes up. Just saying. And the really aggressive amount of lipstick she's suddenly wearing, which looks like she perhaps put it on while drunk. Yeah. Or perhaps someone else did it for her. Just yeah. falling. <laughs> I'm just saying. And then, uh, of course, Thomas is dressed up as Santa. It's like, ho, 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 hello. Yeah, the, in the it's... Santa costume that she'd been lugging around. Yeah. So that's not weird at all. Uh, yeah, the, the dinner that uh, he set up for them doesn't go too well. I can't um, even tell what they were trying to eat. Oh, I don't know. I wasn't paying attention to that. 
Uh, Tom does not like when she mentions her boyfriend because she does not have one. <laughs> so she, that really kind of pissed him off. And he dials up the crazy a bit, gets kind of super jealous and condescending at the same time. And then he mentions some of her family members by name and that he's like, you should probably call them and uh, let them know you're not coming tonight. Oh, God. So many things. So many red flags. Why do you know my family's name? Who are you? I've never seen you before in my life. Look, if the chain the around fuck? the ankle and the throwing up because uh, you were just unconscious um, weren't enough of a red flag. I'm just saying there's just there. They just it's, they keep popping up. And popping up, and there's too many red flags. Well, because I love when he invites or when he uh, gets lets her into the elevator, and he's like, "Oh, you want to like, you know, I prepared a small meal for myself. Would you like to join me?" And she's like, "Uh," and he's like, "I'm just kidding." <laughs> and he's it, like, "I'm not kidding." No, he was kidding. It's for both of them, not just him. No, he's like, he's like, "I'm just kidding. I'm not really kidding. We'll be having dinner." I love you. Oh my god. Uh, yeah. So after that call, which is a very odd call, uh, he's like, "Oh, I have a present for you." And in my head, I'm like, oh boy, it's going to be something wild. And of course it is, because it's Wes Bentley on cocaine. Or at least I'm assuming he was. Probably. Uh, she opens up this little box, and it's a VHS tape of her with a man in an elevator. Now, cut back to beginning of movie. The guy who was in the VHS, VHS, VHS tape uh, in the VHS tape with her is a guy from the beginning of the movie that came into Angela's office apologizing for something. Now we know he was apologizing because in the video we see him pretty much lunge at her to like, you know, coming on to her, you know, pushes him away. So that's what he was apologizing for. And then, um, blah, 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 do, do, do. What happened after that? Oh yeah. So, and then she's like, why are you showing this to me? Like, what, what is this point? That really wasn't the gift. So he goes to, like, let her up so they can, he can go show her the actual gift. And then that's when she tries to uh, escape by stabbing him with a fork. Fork him. Tries to fork him right in the neck. And, of course, that doesn't make him very happy. They scuffle for a bit. She eventually gets handcuffed behind her back. And then um, she sets her... He, he sets her in the car and they, they go off into the night. Well, into the parking garage. Go ahead. For the record, if she had aimed less for the shoulder and more for the neck, this movie would have been older, over well, a lot I mean, sooner. Or, I'm just saying, she like went for the shoulder. Yeah, you didn't really incapacitate him. You just stabbed him in the shoulder. And having been stabbed by a fork before, <laughs> it hurts, but it does not incapacitate you unless you hit some sort of major artery there. Yeah, I, I don't think there's an artery in your in your shoulder. <laughs> just no, just but bone. there's a couple in your neck. Oh no, for sure. So eventually, now that they're in the car, they're you know they're going for a ride, but they're really just going down to level P four, which is I guess the sequel. We'll see later. Uh, P four, <laughs> um, and we see that Bob, the guy from the videotape, the guy from the beginning of the movie, he is duct taped to a chair. And in my head, I thought, man, how long have you been sitting down there? All tied up. Holy shit, it's probably been a couple hours. I would have tried to escape. You're not doing your best job there, Bob. And, um, yeah, so she, Tom tries to get Angie to teach him a lesson with a big flashlight by, I guess, smacking him around in the head with it. I'm not sure what. But, you know, she's like, no, 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 it's fine. Like, like hard it, pass. It's fine. You know, it was a mistake. He was drunk. It's fine. And he's like, no, it's not fine. Again, with the whole, like, punishing. Th this whole episode is essentially about punishment besides Anna and the Apocalypse. Should be called punishment. The the podcast. Punishment. What happens when you live your life and you do the bad thing by doing nothing? No, uh, yeah. no telling. So she she refuses because she's trying to put it in the past, 
And uh, that does not go over well with Tom. Again, can't imagine why. So uh, he goes out there, bashes him around with this, this flashlight, gets back in the car, backs up, and you think he's going to just run him straight over. But he doesn't. He, he accelerates and then stops right in front of him and then kind of pushes him like he's playing with his food or something like that. You know what I mean? Like playing with his victim. And he pushes him towards the wall and then fucking gooshes him. And it it's a good kill. It is it is very realistic. He falls out of the chair or he falls down, still kind of duct taped to the ch- what's left of the chair. And his guts are hanging out. He's bloody. He's battered. And then fucking crazy decides to hit him not once, not twice, but three more times. Just make just essentially turning him into a pulp fucking Whoa. Remember I was remember I was telling you, I was like, is this the movie where the and then it was because I've been wondering where this kill had been in a movie for so long and I'm so happy I finally saw it because goddamn well good shit. And I love this scene because the whole time she's trying to do the psychological thing of trying to humanize him and connect with him. She keeps calling him um Tom. She's like, Tom. Tom, don't do this, Tom. Me, and Tom. he just is like losing his fucking mind. And he just keeps yelling, I'm trying to help you. I'm trying to help you to like, no, thank you, sir. Like the whole film, <laughs> every time he this. says something, you're just like, no. And it's funny because of how much this film vibes like, um, what the hell is the elevator movie called? Down. Down. And um, the whole thing, it's the it's almost the same setup, like security guard and girl he's been watching on the cameras, which makes you scared of security guards. Um, <laughs> but like the whole thing where like he just unravels and gets crazier and crazier. is like, I'm doing this for you. Like, if I don't want you to do it, then you're not doing it for me. Yeah, no no one ever I didn't ask you to I, do this. This is a favor I don't, in fact, need. And, so. and didn't want. I, if you want to do something for me, you can release me back into the wild. That would be great. Just set me free, please. All right, I'm only going to go a few, uh, a little bit further because it does get fucking wacky. Um, so at this point, uh, Angela manages to escape and run away, which I fucking bold move because you've got, you know, your hands handcuffed behind your back. So I don't know what you plan on doing. Anyways, she manages to lock herself in this elevator because she's trying to go up floors, but I don't know what happened. She, the elevator gets wonky or something. So she just throws the emergency lock or the emergency stop and just sits there and is like, I'll just fucking wait this out. And uh, she goes to talk to someone through the intercom. Someone answers. Uh, that's not Tom because he's it's a completely different voice. But then you find out, no, it was Tom. He was just doing a voice. And he's like, I just wanted to talk to you, Angela. Like you won't talk to you won't talk to me. So I had to, I had to be somebody else. Like, oh my god, no, you are, you are crazy. Uh, so she stops answering him. Of course, again, doesn't go over too well. And he decides to get a fire hose. Now I thought he was gonna climb down the fire hose, bust open, you know, because there's always doors on top of elevators. No, 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 no. And this is where I kind of have to not knock this movie a bit because he turns on the hose, and somehow that equivalates to the elevator just starting to fill up with water, which I don't think those are. I don't think that, they're not. Yeah, that's because not like what if you happen. go between floors, you can feel the cold air coming through, and if it you can feel air coming through. They are not airtight well, and containers also, also because they don't have ACs running through them, so they have to have airflow. 
Well, and also the fact that it's not like there was a door open on the roof that was letting the water in. It was kind of just trickling down the sides. So I have to knock it for that because that's completely unrealistic, but it does lead to something cool because out of fucking nowhere, Carl just is like yeeted into this elevator. Like, I don't even, like he was thrown, I guess, from Tom because he just falls through the roof and then somehow she's able to open the doors, which I feel like that wouldn't happen because of all the water. It would probably have short-circuited It was the, the emergency. She shut off the emergency brake. No, I know, but it came back and the doors open and then everyone whooshes out. So that was like, that's really my, that is my only gripe with this movie is that. Um, so yeah, now she's all wet and uh, it's obviously very cold because I mean, it's New York at Christmas time. So you've got to be freezing and you're like down below the street level. Um, so she finds an ax and then starts to knock out all the security cameras while we get one of the best scenes in a movie ever, which is Tom completely rocking out. And I mean, to the entire blue Christmas or, um, yeah, yeah blue, blue Christmas by Elvis. The literally plays the whole song sitting there singing it, doing the whole Elvis thing, whole song. I mean, when is that ever going to happen again? I, I, I've, you know, the universe has been here for however long and I happen to exist during this. Yes. I'm okay with that. And, um, so then she eventually gets behind Tom because she's knocking out all the cameras. And, uh, then I can't remember what happened. Oh yeah. She knocks him out. And then that's when the cops come because she had called them. She had somehow managed to get a signal on her phone when she was poking it out of the gates. Cause there's like these gates with little holes in the metal gate. So she was able to get signal call 911 earlier in the film. And then they show up and then that's where I'm going to leave it just because it gets wacky. But I will say there is an animal death. Spray cleaner to the face, a game of car chicken, eye trauma, and a fiery explosion to come. So I have to leave it there because, like, you have to see the madness that happens in this movie. It's fucking wild. Yeah. The, so much fun. Uh, they did a really great job with uh, the tension in the film and not knowing what's going to happen. And you're not sure how she's going to get out. And I I thought that was a really good job. I think they did really well with it. Um I, I like I said I think we both had an issue with the the whole concept of the elevator scene. Yeah. But um the whole idea of being locked in somewhere and having nowhere to go and like easily it's a simple concept that gets it it's you know totally reads for everybody as being a terrifying thing you wouldn't want to happen to you. Yeah. It it, it gives you know it gives you a sense of realism because I mean I don't know if this exact situation has happened, but between this and down, it just makes you think like, man, some would, if someone was deranged enough, they could probably pull something like this off, especially since it's Christmas Eve. The building is closed for the next three days, so no one is going to be there since it's Christmas time, and it just takes one kind of uh, fucked-in-the-head guy to be like, you know, this is my Christmas plans. I don't know what you're doing, but I'm doing this. And I... I I think my biggest question with this, along with the movie Down, is um, what was the end goal? Because so far you've trapped the woman. You've revealed you've been stalking her. You've put her in a situation where she has no escape. She has no exit. So, um, And then you've started killing other people to ensure that you will not be interrupted. What's the long-term goal? Because they both take place over a long weekend, a long holiday weekend. Oh, that's and you're right, just yeah. like, 
what were you planning on doing it's on cl- Monday? It's when- clearly a man at the end of his rope. I mean, like he's clearly nuts. But they're like, you thought out all of this, but you didn't think murdering several people. And what are you going to murder her too? Or are you planning on trying to Stockholm syndrome her in two days? Because Stockholm syndrome does not happen in two days. Uh, yeah, I know. I also love the fact that he's like, I won't hurt you. I'll just kill everyone else around you. And it's like, well, you're uh, okay. You say you won't hurt me, but But you also tased me. Yeah. Tased me. You've knocked me out. You've, you've chloroformed me. I mean, I'm just, I don't don't know. I don't think this is going to work out, Tom. Okay. I just want to let you know. I don't even know you. And now I'm trapped in this place with you that I can't escape. I don't want to be here. Yeah. This was just a very fun movie and I'm glad that we uh, we did this one because like I said it's not necessarily a Christmas horror movie but takes place on Christmas night or Christmas Eve night close enough for me you know they do have that gar- the guard um, room has lights up and stuff like that obviously you know the Santa Claus suit so definitely plays uh, plays out for you know to be watched around Christmas time and uh, I-, I gave this one a- I gave this one a four again second four of the episode I would agree with that just because, like I said, really the only issue I had was that whole weird elevator scene because that uh, would never happen. So uh, let's not go. Not to mention, if she's not on the bottom floor, it would have drained out to the lower floors anyway. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so this has a 2.8 out of 5 on Letterboxd, and it has a 5.9 out of 10 on IMDb. So let's go to some trivia here. There's not too much, but we already said the one about, you know, West Bentley and the drugs. Uh, there was uh, 14 dresses, each one in various stages of dirtiness and decay, which seems like a lot. Uh, this is shot in two months exclusively at night at a real working Toronto parking garage, which is pretty cool. And there were three different dogs used to portray the Rottweiler. I don't remember his name, but he was cool. Yeah. Apparently, in Spanish, phonetically, the title P2 sounds exactly like P dos, which means farts. So they had to label it parking to for Spain because I wouldn't want to. I mean, I would, but I don't think a lot of people would want to go see a movie labeled farts. Also, it'd be super confusing. (laughs) That's hilarious. Oh, that's pretty much it. Um, Yeah. The other two things don't really matter. So, uh, yeah, P2. Not streaming anywhere. Luckily, uh, Spencer has uh, an insane voodoo with hundreds of movies that I have access to. So that's how I watched it. And uh, there is sadly no Blu-ray for this uh, this movie. It is only digital, and I I think maybe maybe DVD. The only uh, Blu-ray you can get is Region B, and and you know in America we're Region A. So I'd have to have a region free Blu-ray player. Should have should have bought that. I was thinking about doing that when I got. The one that we did a couple months ago, but I didn't. So maybe shame uh, on you. Maybe Scream Factory will be tight and be like, here's a Blu-ray release with a better sound mix because the sound mix in this is a 2.1, which kind of fucking sucks and explains why the sound wasn't great. I'd love to hear it in a 5.1, but who knows? I probably won't get that. So it's fine. I'll be fine. Uh, Yeah. Fucking Christmas. Ho, ho, horror. Yes. yes. Are we going to do trivia? Yeah. I mean, I think you won. Probably. I did win, so I'm first. Yeah, I haven't won wait, a lot. I wait, yeah. I don't usually win anymore. I don't know why. Because I'm the winner. Okay. Oh, that's um, right. We don't have to roll. That's awesome. The old Mister Krieg in Trick or Treat is revealed to have been what character in the school bus massacre? Oh my God! Spoiler alert. Also, fucking Michael Doherty. Uh, this is like. I, okay, focus. Sorry, it's, I love trivia. Um, oh, sorry. I, you have to actually answer the question. Uh, it's the bus driver. Yes. All right. 
I did it. See, that's so funny. You did it. I don't plan this. I, I swear, we just we just pick up these cards and take them as they as they come. He that's, spends a lot of time cheating on these. Shut the fuck up. If I was cheating, I would actually win. That's also true. <laughs> You're bad at cheating. <laughs> what you, I don't even cheat. Uh, what is the profession of the father of Mark Lewis in Peeping Tom, 1960? A lot of professions out there. Pick one. Journalist. No, psychologist. Although Damn you have the ist right at the end. Pick up a card. What are you doing? Getting shouted at by you when I was trying to talk. Whatever, dude. Okay. What is the wooden object Tata Kuda uses in, uh, to finally stop Martin Mathis in the conclusion of the film Martin, 1978? Fucking crucifix? A stake. Uh, you got... You were in the right vampire lore. I'm not entirely sure that's a vampire film, but you know what I'm saying. I mean, I assume it is if it's a stake. Typically is what you kill vampires with, yeah. Okay. You, pretty much anything you stab a stake into is going to bite it, so. Wow. Who directed Carrie in 1976? Oh. I thought that was someone completely different. It's a three-namer. Well, not really three-namer, but yeah. Edward James Olmos. Oh, my God, no. <laughs> Brian De Palma. Nope. Um, Maddie in Hush is which of the following? What's her profession? You know what it is. Writer? Yeah. Yeah, boy. She's not a farmer? Jesus. Well, I wasn't sure if it was writer. Hey, I think you're going to win this one. Well, we're going to five, so we'll see. Oh, right. Damn it. Well, yeah, because these are are quicker. You know what I mean? Yeah. All right. uh, What actor played Detective Donald Kimball in American Psycho? I'm Detective John Kimball. I'm a cop. Stop me. I can't sorry, think sorry, you're going to do that. Oh, my God. What Jesus. What was his name again? Detective John Kimball. Uh, oh, why am I acting like I know? I don't know. It's Willem Dafoe. Oh, my God. I almost said that, too. But I was like, that's stupid. It's not Willem Dafoe. Willem Dafoe. Um, wow, well, I'm really sucking on this one. It's uh, fine. I'll win for you. What actor portrayed Reverend Harry Powell in The Night of the Hunter, 1955? <laughs> Fucking Michael Caine. Robert Mitchum. I don't, I don't, I don't know. Hey, I got another. Remember that question I asked you about peeping Tom a second ago? Yeah. You want another one? No. Oh, that's too bad. Damn it. <laughs> I don't understand how this happens. What kind of critical reception did Peeping Tom 1960 receive when released in theaters? Oh, what the fuck? Positive or negative? Good negative. God. Fucking fuck. Oh, thank God, because I was worried it was positive. <laughs> if I had said damn Willem Dafoe like I thought it was, and... We'd be tied up instead of it being damn two to it. one. i got to trust my Willem Dafoe instincts. <laughs> um, in Black Sunday, 1960, Ugh, God. Princess Aja Vajja is a follower of whom? Satan. Damn it! Are you serious? <laughs> yes! I mean, it's Black Sunday. Who else is she following? Well, I don't know. If fucking... <laughs> <laughs> yes. Evil Jesus, like what? All hail Satan! All right, so it's three to one. Hell oh, and I yeah. saw this thing. You'll love this. I saw this thing where um, some guy was talking about um, there are only three types of girls, and and this girl's like, no, girls only. There are only two ty- or two guys girls think about. Oh my god! Like not two types of guys. Two guys: Satan, their master, and Chris Evans. Wow. Okay. Then. I sent that to Tierney. She agreed. I'm sure she did. Is it my turn? Yeah. Okay. And what war was the blind man blinded and don't... Br- 
That is the dumbest way to phrase that. Why yeah, is I the, got this. Why is the blind man blind from Don't Breathe? What war? Good God. Vietnam? Nope. Korean? Gulf War. Gulf? I don't know. There's a lot of wars. <laughs> what What am I at? I have one, don't There's I? One. Damn it. To my three. Um, what color hair do all the mysterious children have in Village of the Dam, 1960? White. Blonde. The 80s Are you one. Serious? Yeah, 80s I one. Thought was all a, I thought there was a white What the f- There was a remake with white hair. The original was blonde. I swear to God, we watched the, the Carpenter one. No, we one. watched. Yeah, that was a remake. Are you serious? Yeah. Oh, shit. I was like, oh, man, he's going to say it. It's like, the, like you're going to say white and it's It's blonde. like the fly. You don't realize that. Well, no, it's like yeah. the, the thing. I don't know. Yeah, there's some movies you don't realize that they're a remake. Son of a bitch. Oh, bitch. Man, that would have been four. Fuck. Yeah, I'm catching up to you. Not really. <sighs> yeah, you're going to get all these fucking. Okay. In Fright Night, 1985, which character is turned into a vampire? Charlie Brewster, Judy Brewster, Evil Ed, or Detective Lennox? Evil Ed. God, fuck you. I mean, fuck who you. else was fuck it going to be? Hey, don't do that. Three to two. Um, Son of a bitch. The Phantom of the Opera, 1925, was originally released in what audio format? Silent or sound? Silent. Yeah, I like that. With or without the sound? What kind of audio? Good grief. All right, so it's four to two. Or wait, no, is it four to three? It's four to two. Four to two. All right. I'm losing. Well, you're going to get another friggin' multiple choice one here, so whatever, it's fine. And this is a spoiler, too. Why are they asking spoiler questions? Man. Midnight Meat Train 2008, which character becomes the butcher at the end? Leon Kaufman, Maya Jones, Lynn Hadley, or Randall Cooper? Leon? Yeah. Fucking spoilers. Good, because I only saw it the one time. Okay, so it's three to four? Three to four. Okay. What is the name of the villainous character Kathy Bates portrays in Misery? Oh, what's her fucking name? Oh, it's a first and last name oh, in yeah. here, too. Oh, yeah, Annie, 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 ooh, it's either Annie Bates or Annie Wilkins. Oh, fuck, 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 oh, fuck, I don't know. Annie Wilkins. Annie Wilkes. Wilkes, son of a bitch! Ha-ha! Damn it! You were so close, I'm like, oh, he's gonna fuck it up. Damn it, Annie Wilkes. So four to three. Oh, fuck. <laughs> That's so annoying. Stop adding letters onto people's names. I swear to God, I thought, oh man, wait, did we already do this one? Wait, what the fuck? Uh, wait, what? Hold up. No, oh, I don't know. I guess I have to. I, have to, I think I just fucked that up. All right, go ahead. Son of a bee, man. So it's close. your turn to ask a question. Oh, then I definitely messed that up. I oh, whatever. I it's just fine. go. Uh, what is the name of the pub that protagonist David Kessler visits at the start of American Werewolf in London? Fuck off. The Slaughtered Lamb. God! Oh my God! It's four to four. Mm. Okay. Who directed Creepshow? Oh, fucking uh, George A. Romero. Bam! I was like, it wasn't Stephen King. I was like, I, I, there's no... Yes, please say Stephen King. Well, he, he wrote it, so I was going to say Stephen King, but I was like, no, 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 he wrote it. All right, booyah. All right, so I can keep that other one. We've got about probably one more go through of these, and then we got to get that other that other trivia game going. Yep. Yeah. Wow. Only took us almost eighty episodes. All right. Well, happy holidays, everyone. This one's gonna be dropped on Christmas Day. And stay safe. Ba- oh yeah, best present ever. Um, yeah, stay safe. We've uh, have been having some COVID. We've had a COVID scare here recently, so that's never fun. Um, yeah, stay safe, everybody out there. It's still not stay home. 
stay home. Yeah, it's still it's still kind of crazy out there. And uh, just because 2020 roll 2021 rolls around does not mean it's like a reset button. Because some people are like, I can't wait for next year. I'm like, it's going to be 2020 part two. So get ready for the sequel. It's really just suck. another day. It doesn't change the entire yeah. year. So, yeah, just make sure you guys are staying safe. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at Frightmares Podcast, Facebook at Frightmares, Twitter at Fright under, under Frightmares. Try to type pod, that. I don't know. Um, and the Slasher app, which is Frightmares Podcast. And you can follow me on Letterboxd, uh, Dr. Proctor, I believe. See what I'm watching. And, um, yeah, happy holidays. Next episode, top 10, 2020. And our top 10 honorable mentions. And I'll probably throw in the top 10 like flops of the year. Which will probably be my top 10 honorable mentions at the same time. So because you're at 17 movies now, we got to get you up to at least 20, maybe like 22. So you could have some, you know, whatever. I'm almost at 60 for the year. Um, So, yeah, it's going to be fun next week. Tune in, guys. Until then, stay tuned and stay spooky.